So today, a, a meditation, a few thoughts on finding gratitude, what it looks like to find that. And um, not a sermon in that I will, I mean, I will use a passage here as sort of something that gets us going into that, but, but then it's just going to be sharing a few thoughts on what it looks like to find gratitude in our lives and what that looks like. So I'm going to set the tone for that today with a passage that comes from the Gospel of Luke that talks about one person who finds an expression of gratitude amidst a group of people who all had the opportunity, but only one does. So this comes from the Gospel of Luke, and I'm beginning at verse 11. It's the story of Jesus healing 10 men with leprosy. Here's what it says. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a great distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except for this foreigner? Then he said to him, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So a few thoughts on thanksgiving. What it means to find gratitude. Because it seems like a day like this for us is a little bit of a one-off if you know what I mean, if you've heard that term, a one-off. This, this is something where, all right, we've just got one day that we pull aside and this is the day that we remember Thanksgiving and we give thanks for all that we have, but it's just one day. And as much as we might say, how can we live like Thanksgiving is every day? Not every day is like this day. Because... For one, I, I think I would get a little sick of turkey if every day was like this. Uh, secondly, I don't think the Detroit Lions could field a team if they had to play every single day, if every day was Thanksgiving. But beyond that, I think you know what I mean. That there's something about a day that we just set aside for it that focuses our attention, that we lose the focus of all the other days. Let's just be honest about that, that we lose some focus on that. So what would it look like to find gratitude, not just on this day, but how does that work its way into every day in how we live and in what we do? So a few thoughts on that today, and I'm going to use this story from the Gospel of Luke towards that. A story where there's 10 people 
10 people who all have leprosy, and there is a disease called leprosy, but, but back in the Bible times, they used that as sort of a blanket term that also included all skin diseases. So any skin rash or condition you would have whatsoever, it would just be, uh, we're not sure it's leprosy, so they're sort of given this blanket diagnosis in that. And they were quarantined. So all of these lepers, these people with skin diseases of some kind, have to go live in a community together apart from everyone else. They're not allowed to be in touch or in contact with anyone else. And let's remember, back in Bible times here, uh, this is before they had cell phones, Facebook, Snapchat, um, Internet, any of that. They couldn't FaceTime their family and friends or a Zoom call, that kind of thing. To be isolated in a community like that meant that you were completely cut off from family, from friends, from everyone that was a part of your circle of love and support. Gone, if you can imagine that. So there's 10 of these individuals who live in a community like that that have been cut off from all of their family, all of their friends, everyone that they know and love. They can't be near them anymore. They see Jesus coming. They've heard the stories, so they call out from a distance. Because remember, they're not allowed to be close in contact with anyone except for their community of lepers. So from a distance, they call out, have mercy on us. And Jesus tells them, go show yourself to the priest." Now, a little detail on this one, too, because besides actual leprosy, some of these other skin conditions, right, skin rashes, would get better. So it was possible for people to be healed from some of these skin conditions because they would just get better. Their immune system would fight that disease and get over it. But the rule, the rule of the Jewish law was you were not allowed to go back to your home and re-enter society until you were declared clean by the priest. So the first thing you had to do was go to the priest and show that I don't have any skin rashes or diseases anymore. That's what Jesus is telling them to do. That's what's going on in this story. Go show yourself to the priest so that the priest can say you're clean. Now, here's what I noticed, though. At this point in the story, they're not healed yet. They still have the rashes. They still have the disease. But they obey. They trust. So they trust Jesus to do what Jesus will do. And they go. And while they're on the way, the story tells us, they're cleansed. They're healed. And then one. One turns around to come back while the other nine keep going and presumably do what Jesus told them to do, right? Go show yourself to the priest and go home to your families. Hug your kids. Be with the people you love. They're given exactly what it was they asked Jesus to do, and Jesus gave them exactly what they asked. So in some sense, these other nine, they're not doing anything wrong, are they? I mean, Jesus did tell them, go show yourself to the priest. If, if anything, the one who turns around to come back is the one who's sort of 
deviates from the command or the instruction of Jesus because the Jewish law said you cannot be in contact with anyone else until you first are declared clean by the priest. But that doesn't stop him because the story says he comes and he falls right at Jesus' feet before a priest gave him the okay to do that. And Jesus commends him for it. Jesus says to him, you've done the right thing. Because he asked the question, where is the rest? Where are the other nine? Why did only one come back? There's something about a heart of gratitude that just overwhelms this one to the point where he forgets everything else. Because the very first thing on his mind then is, I've got to go back and thank God. That is the very first thing I need to do before anything else happens. And remember, imagine this, right? Maybe someone who has not seen their family or friends or loved ones in months, if not longer, could be years. And now you've got the opportunity to finally see your loved ones again and says, nope, that's going to be next, second, later. First, I'm going to go and thank God for this. Jesus commends him for doing that. Asks where the others are. And I don't want to dismiss the other nine, even though we, we don't know what happens after this story, but I think the honest part of that, I mean, if, if I were to put myself in that story, I'll be honest, I think I'm with the nine, okay? I, I'm with the nine who, I'm going to do what Jesus told me to do, and I'm going to go see my family and friends. And, you know what, I'll be fair about it. There may be a thought in my mind of, you know, and I'll, I'll write a thank you note to Jesus and drop it in the mail and, and get that, or, you know, I'll... I'll I'll send him a note later, or a text message, or a call, or I'll, I will thank God. It, it's just going to come somewhere down the line. That's kind of how we operate, isn't it? Can we be honest about that? It's not that we're people who have no gratitude at all. It's just that we sort of shuffle that somewhere into the schedule of, ah, yeah, I'll get around to that, and I'll get around to that, and it'll happen, and sometimes it does, and I'll be honest again. Sometimes it doesn't, even though I have the intention of doing it. But it's not first. It's not priority number one right there. It's shuffled somewhere down the way. So how do we be people then who live gratitude as something that's first? How do we find gratitude like that? What does that kind of gratitude look like? Maybe I'll frame that as a little bit of a different question. Maybe it's not the question of how do I find that gratitude, but let me use a question that may be a familiar question, a familiar question that some of you, many of you, maybe have heard, read before. It's a question that begins our Heidelberg Catechism. What is your only comfort in life and in death? And comfort, uh, the Catechism uses that word comfort, but it's not talking about comfort in the way that maybe we think about comfort. Uh, it's not comfort in the sense of, you know, a really cushy chair or, 
you know, that place that sits by the fireplace with a warm blanket on a cold day with a nice hot cup of coffee or hot chocolate or whatever it is. Not comfort like that. That's not what comfort means in this question. I think it's comfort more in deep assurance. Deep assurance that really aligns with gratitude. What is it that deeply embeds gratitude into my life, no matter what? There's something where the the catechism begins. And, And I think the catechism begins by hinting in that direction, because if you know anything about that document, the Heidelberg Catechism, it moves through a series of questions and answers, and the entire ending section of the Heidelberg Catechism is all about gratitude. Every question towards the end of catechism is about how we give thanks to God because of what God has done for us. So I think this first question nods in that direction, right? It gives a little hint of what's coming, even though it doesn't use the word gratitude. But what is it then that really embeds that kind of gratitude deep within our lives as a part that is always there? The answer, if you know it, right, that I am not my own, but I belong in life and in death and body and soul to my faithful Savior, Jesus. Two ideas there, two phrases that come out of that. Comfort comes from these two things. One, that I'm not my own. And two, that I belong to Jesus. I'm not my own. And I belong to Jesus. Ideas that, I don't know, maybe if you've learned this, you know this, you've memorized it. Yep, I know that, I know the answer. But things that, maybe for those of us, who've lived trying to walk through Christian faith for years and years and years, this just becomes something of deeper and deeper and deeper meaning as life goes on. This idea that I am not my own, but I belong to Jesus. Because that takes some figuring out. I can just say it. I can put the words on the screen But that doesn't mean that we all automatically understand it right away. It takes some life to figure this out. Because when I think about Thanksgiving Day and I think about what it means for us to give thanks, often doesn't it seem like Thanksgiving for us begins with giving thanks for all the things, the blessings, Right? Thanksgiving is, I'm thankful to God for all the blessings that I have, that I enjoy, for all that's been given to me. Or I thank God for all of the abilities, the things that I can do. I thank God for all the gifts of family and friends and loved ones. And we thank God for things around us like that. And, and in some sense, those aren't bad but in some sense all by themselves. It's a thanksgiving that's really focused more on me, isn't it? God, thank you for all I have. Thank you for all you've given to me. Thank you for all the blessings I enjoy. 
it's Thanksgiving, but can I be honest? There, there's something a little bit selfish in that kind of Thanksgiving. Because it's a Thanksgiving when I think about it and make those lists of all the things that I'm thankful for and all that God has given to me. But, but in some sense, it's a list that ultimately just sort of turns back to being me, 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 me. Even though I'm thanking God, it's kind of a me-focused thing, isn't it? Doesn't it feel like our Thanksgiving can go that way, naturally by itself? So this idea then, that I'm not my own, that it's not about me, that it's not my life, that it's not my blessings, that these things I'm thanking God for, that the possessions that I'm blessed with are not really my possessions, that the abilities that I've been given are not really my talents, the idea that everything in life I'm called to be a steward of. That I steward what God has given because it's not mine, because I'm not my own. But I belong to Jesus. There's something that grounds our gratitude in a different direction when we look at it like that, right? That our gratitude looks a little bit different when it comes from a place of acknowledging, but it's not me, it's not mine, and this isn't my stuff. And these blessings that I'm so thankful to God for are, are just things that belong to God anyway. And look, I get to steward them. That God has entrusted me to steward these blessings in ways that bring glory to God then because it belongs to him, because I belong to him. So this idea of belonging to Jesus, it changes something. It changes something that maybe just shows up in uh, the change of a preposition. Gratitude then is no longer being thankful for all things, because I, maybe that's how Thanksgiving Day works for us. I'm thankful for all of these things, but now it's I'm thankful in all things. In all things. Because all the things aren't really mine. Because I'm not really mine. Because I belong to Jesus. And because I belong to Jesus, I am in God's blessing. Not just receiving God's blessing, but I'm in it. I'm part of it because I belong to him. And this, this is a place of gratitude then that can branch in any direction. Any direction. Think New Testament, right? Uh, the missionary journeys of the Apostle Paul and the number of times that the Apostle Paul was where he went around the cities, he went, he was arrested. He was thrown into prison. He was whipped and beaten. Occasion where he was stoned and left for dead. In all of those things, Paul gives thanks. Paul's locked in prison with his friend Silas, and, and they're in chains in the middle of the night in this dungeon, and they're singing. They're singing. 
They're singing hymns of praise to God. Because it's not about thanking God for all of these things. I don't know that I would be thankful for being locked in prison. But they understand that they can be thankful in all things, no matter the circumstance, no matter the situation. So maybe this is a day when you go into Thanksgiving and you know what? Maybe you've got a full list. Maybe you've got a list that says, look at all of these things that I'm thankful for. It's circumstantial, isn't it? Because those things are here today, but were they always there? Not necessarily. Will they always be there? Not necessarily. But to be thankful in all things means that whether the list is long or short, whether this is a day when I am overflowing with the abundance of what I see God providing around me, or this is a day where I'm just leaning on the strength to get through this day to the next day. I can be thankful in all things because it's not about me. It's not about my stuff. It's not about what I have. It's that I am not my own, but I belong to Jesus. So we can praise and thank God today and every day because I am not my own. Today and every day, I belong to Jesus, and I thank him for that. Let's pray. God, thank you that we are not our own. Thank you that we belong to you. And God, we pray that even though so many of us on a day like this, uh, we have lists of things that we are thankful for, and that's all good. Lord, help us also to be people who are thankful in. That we can be thankful in the comfort, the assurance that we belong to you no matter what and nothing can ever take that away. And may that ground our lives in a gratitude that is always there no matter what, every day, thankful that we belong to you. Pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.